This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 81, Family Tech University with Emily Jones. Hey, everybody. It's Becky Higgins. I'm with Claire. <laughs> Were you just going to say Claire? I was. Okay, I do look like her daughter Claire. I don't even know where I was going with that. I think that. it's because I look a so smoking young, hot, smoking hot. <laughs> I look like a young hot teenager with blonde hair. I'll take it. I can't believe Call I don't me Claire think, all day long. Have I ever called you Claire? Never once. That was a funny moment. But I'm not gonna lie; it's making me feel pretty fantastic right now. <laughs> well, you know, Claire's not with us, but Becky Proudfit happens to be. Hey, yeah, Beck. yeah. <laughs> that was kind of a funny moment. I've called. I've missed named my children my dog's names I've done that on a pretty regular basis it's fine it's kind of a running joke now but like Mm -hmm. literally I'll be like and then last night I was saying to David because we need to get a crate for Oreo we need to like refresh his training at night and like crate him and (laughs) make sure he doesn't get lazy um and I was like we need to crate Porter (laughs) just was like Porter's like no I'm going to the bathroom just fine mama oh my gosh I don't know what my problem is anyway well we are happy to be with you guys and we are so so thrilled about this episode we're about to share with you a conversation that we had recently with Emily Jones um my best guess is that you as a listener are probably less familiar with Emily Jones it's not a name that you know you would hear or see like Emily Jones on Instagram or something like that But what you should know is that she and her husband are the powerhouses behind a movement that we are fully behind. We love them so much for what they're doing. And a lot of you can relate to feeling called to do something. Mm -hmm. The Joneses have felt totally called to start a movement and to really help emphasize the strengthening, empowering tools that we have with technology in in good ways and to help encourage and educate and enlighten all of us, especially our kids. What I love about the Joneses is that as a parent with teens, you know, diving into all this technology stuff right along with the rest of you, um, is her message is A, our children are completely capable. This technology is not something that they cannot um, learn to use responsibly, which is, I think, kind of unique in this space. There's mm. a lot of fear-based yes. marketing and messaging with this. And while I feel like a lot of those facts are true, um, to think that we cannot create within our children a way for them to learn how to respect and to protect themselves, um, I just don't think it's true. And so I love the boldness of her message of, yes, your, your teens are capable and she's giving us the tools to help our teens to navigate this tool that is neither good nor bad, but is. Mm-hmm. And so as a parent listening to them, I feel empowered um, to keep my kids safe, not through over-restricting, but through creating within them the internal filter they need to succeed. You guys are going to love this conversation. I can't wait for you to hear it. Yeah. And you're going to love Emily Jones as well. But first, let's hear a quick word from this week's sponsor. When Becky and I share about brands we love, it's not only because they have stellar products that we genuinely know that you will love too, it's also because of the story behind the brand. You hear us talk about glorious products we have fallen in love with from Shine Cosmetics, namely the Fiber Brow, eyeshadow palettes, BB cream, and of course lip gloss, but we want you to know a little more about our passion for this brand. We're both mothers to daughters, and it is so important to us to expose them to products that will uplift and help them to feel their best. A while back, I was asked to lead a makeup class for a group of young women, 
And to my horror, I realized I couldn't give them any makeup recommendations based on the products I was using. They all had names I was not comfortable sharing with these sweet teens. I certainly didn't want my own daughters looking at these words every day either. One of the things we love most about Shine is that they are all about women feeling empowered to look and do their best. And a big part of that is the very thoughtful way that they name their products. Strive, dedicated, precious, admired, be true, spirited. These are just some of the uplifting names of our favorite Shine products. We love their commitment to uplifting women. When the time comes that my daughters will have things in their makeup bags, I want those products to help them feel as amazing as they are. And so we will be heading to shinecosmetics.com. I know that they're safe to explore and play with different colors without worrying that they'll come across marketing material or words that will make them feel anything less than the bright and beautiful girls that they are. Join with us in supporting a brand that is helping women to shine. And as always, save 10% by using code Becky at checkout. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Well, I'll tell you, um, one of the biggest blessings that Becky and I have experienced in podcasting is hands down the connections that we make with people. And when we met you at an event that we were at 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 the same time, there was just no doubt in our minds that we felt that very strong tug in our own hearts with you. And I think that you felt the same thing. It was such a mutual love fest. <laughs> We're like, oh my gosh, Emily Jones is our people. She she gets what we understand about just loving kids for who they are, where they are, and wanting to cheer them on and champion them in every way. And your specialty within that is with technology. And so we are so honored, honored to have you add your voice to the ongoing conversation that we have about cultivating a good life, because certainly part of that is helping our kids in every possible way. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, this is a treat. Well, it's absolutely a privilege. Thank you. So we have, um, you know, a million directions that we could go with this, like a million tr- trillion. <laughs> Where do we go? Where do you think is a good place to start? No, no, no. Back up introduce yourself and let people know who you are and why you're even in this in this space of talking about technology. Let's do that first. Okay. I'm just so happy to be with you guys today. Thank you. So I am first and foremost mother of five. And they are, we've got a senior in high school all the way down to a nine-year-old. And so we are right in... You've got the full spread. We've yeah. got the spread. We've mm-hmm. got four teenagers right now. And I just... I think that this conversation will be just fantastic to speak with fellow mothers and women who love young people. I think there needs to be a conversation change Mm -hmm. in the way that we talk about young people and technology. But as far as how we got into this space, it is unexpected as most most roads in life are. Yes, Yes, my husband is a technology specialist. He's in the IT industry. He's been in there for 20 years. And uh, we really just came upon this in such a way that we were working with our family. My oldest child was probably 13 years old, starts asking for a phone. Mm -hmm. That's when things start to get, you know, you you start to get a little nervous about that. And so my husband and I, we, because he is in that industry, uh, we were so aware of the headlines and all of those things connected Mm -hmm. with technology use. And as our son is asking for a phone, we asked ourselves, what are we going to do? How are we going to prepare him in such a way that he can approach this with strength? And so we go out to do some research, and 
the only information that we can find is about filters and monitoring. And those things are important. Those things are really important. We have to do those things. But no one was talking about the heart. Mm. The internal filter, right? Yes. Yeah. No one was mm. talking about about the convincing of our young people to be wise of their own volition. Right. Mm-hmm. No one was talking about that. Um, we attended this huge meeting um, of concerned parents, and it was all about technology and teenagers. And I tell you, we sat down in that auditorium, packed to the rafters with parents, concerned parents, and you could cut one emotion with a knife in that room, and it was fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It was Isn't fear. that what most of the messages are based in? Mm-hmm. Yes. With with regards to kids and technology, very fear based. Is that what right. you, that's what you guys were noticing like through and through? Yes. Man. We just sat there and you could feel it in yes. the air. fear. We're going to head to the hills, we're going to build a bunker, we won't have right. any outlets. <laughs> yeah. You know, it Man. was it was something else. And David and I looked at each other and just said, This does not feel right. Yeah, mm-hmm. this does not feel I'm right. I'm so glad you guys felt that. Yeah. yeah. And so we started to to look into how, you know, what is it that convinces a young person to want to be wise with technology? Right. And that is our thing. Mm. That is our thing. And I am grateful. I am grateful for all the entities out there that speak about best filters and those kinds of things because those things are certainly necessary, but our specialty our focus is on on how to strengthen this internal desire or this internal filter in our children. Um, that is so crucial too, because one thing you know we have teenagers as well, and my husband is very tech savvy. And one thing we have found is no filter is impenetrable. There is no filter, and I think parents get a false sense of security, thinking like, "But I have all these filters, and I've done all the things that all the people say are the best." It still isn't enough. There's nothing you can do that's enough without creating that within within the child that's using it. I would yes. add that it's not just that it's not enough. I don't think that it's the most important thing. I think the most right. important thing is what you and your husband do, Emily. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the focus that's even more important than any filter, technological filter that you can put on a phone. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. that's why your message and your work right now the two of, uh, the, that the two of you have felt so inspired to do is more important than ever. And I do want to point out, as, as Emily carries on and shares so much insight with you guys, you will notice how not fear-based this is. This conversation will not be an ounce of fear for you. You are going to feel more love, I think, than ever for your own children, whether they're of age yet to have technology be a part of, well... Jeez. I mean, actually, technology starts when they're born. Oh, are you, there's no, <laughs> as I'm remembering my no two-year-old and an iPad. It, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, I just I, I hope that you find this as refreshing as we do that Emily and her husband Dave have taken it upon themselves to create work um, for a message that needs to be shared in this kind of way. So then you guys got to that point. You realized, okay, we've got to do something about this. Yes, we and and keep in mind, this was purely for our family. We are we were not business people. Mm, yeah. This was purely for our family, and the intent was to prepare our young people, our children, in our family for this you know, these things. And so what we did is we just amassed, we got online and we just amassed all of the most powerful materials that we could find, convincing in nature, filled with truth, videos, um, research studies, articles, spiritual 
messages. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got, we have the gamut and we collected all these things in this ratty beat it up, beat up folder. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we put this together and divided this information into modules for our kids to move through. I love <laughs> you guys so much right, right? now. <laughs> so Not good. only is it like so important, but it's also organized. Oh. <laughs> and it's like the very definition of empowered parenting totally. where you looked, you couldn't find and, and the information that was out there didn't feel right. And I think sometimes we don't realize our responsibility as parents. There's so much information, but you really need to be paying attention to what feels right and not just what the experts say. I love that. I love that because truly the parenting of technology is a spiritual wrestle for a parent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We wrestle with the heavens to feel what is right, to find what is needed. People often want to know how old should they be to get a phone or those are spiritual things that we can seek. We can sense things in our children. We can sense that readiness or not readiness. Totally right. agree. Um, it's very individual, isn't it? It really is. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's a, it's, there is not a rote way to do this. And so in the organization of this workshop, as we call it, um, we just divided it into the areas that we felt were most important. So of course we're addressing first of all how awesome technology is. Yes. It should not be demonized. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yes. It really should not be. Um it it is something that we can wield with so much power for good. And something we were talking about in an episode um prior to this one and, and something we were talking about actually before we recorded this was how often in life as parents when we feel that fear response we feel like the solution is like, this is bad because it, I feel uncomfortable. And so there's no place for it in my life. Yes. And I think, you know, we've seen this with diet culture, like cut out sugar and then you're hiding in a closet eating four candy bars. <laughs> and I think when we do that demonization of technology, number one, it's impossible. We have found with our kids, technology is such a huge part of their school experience that even if at home or we ban technology, like they're going to be using it at school. Um, my my teenagers primarily do all their assignments on on websites, and that's how their school has set it up. So to say you can avoid it without moving to a deserted island by yourself is kind of naive. foolish. It's naive and it's mm-hmm. foolish because it's not possible. And when we make it the forbidden fruit, yes. like it just sets off this whole cycle of of what exactly what we don't want, even though we have the best intentions with really limiting technology. I love that. So where do you feel, Emily, is a good place to go from here in terms of empowering those parents who are listening to this episode and wanting so desperately to do the right thing for their kids that is specific and individual for them, and yet they're not, you know, just so you guys know, they have Family Tech University, right? That's an online mm-hmm. resource, and it's a, full, it's a full online course, right? It is. Okay, so even if you're not going to be registering for that and going through it, which I think you totally should, and I think by the end of this episode, you probably will, um, where do you think is a good place to start and sharing some insights to empower our parents? Okay, I think first of all, I'm going to tell a little story here to kind of illustrate that this, this principle that we teach is an, kind of an of overarching idea that can help you in your parenting. So, so the overarching principle, I have to relate it to this story that happened with our boys. Can't wait. So we've got five <laughs> kids and our, when our oldest three boys were just babies, I mean, the youngest was like a toddler and the, and they were just little boys. We had just moved into a new home that had no finished yard. So it was boy heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All the dirt. All the dirt, all the bugs. And they, for a time, were very content in that backyard. 
Mm-hmm. They were very content. So they, they for, for many weeks, were totally content back there. However, the call of the wild <laughs> began to sound in their ears, and they started to want to explore more widely in the neighborhood, including the road mm-hmm. and the neighbor's garages, right? Hmm. Yeah. So, of course, David and I, the first thing that we thought was fence, mm-hmm. time for fence, Okay, so we, David labored over this six foot beauty all summer. Okay, gorgeous cedar slats, very tightly put together. I mean, this wonderful fence. And I had these visions in Technicolor of us clinking our lemonade glasses on the back porch (laughs) and watching our boys play in the backyard. They're trapped, they're content, Mm -hmm. fabulous. All within the walls of the fence. Yes. Yes. So excited about this fence. So he puts the last nail in that fence and we're just celebrating. And it was not two days after he had finished this fence that I looked out the window of my, out the kitchen window and to my horror, I could see that they had dug a hole under the fence with oh. Dave's golf clubs. <laughs> oh, they're genius. That is awesome. <laughs> they are genius. Yes. So oh I see gosh. this pile of dirt and they are gone. Oh my gosh. And this story has become a parable for us with regards to technology. Do we need the fence? Absolutely. We right. have toddlers with no knowledge of the wonders and dangers of the road, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, however, as you are constructing the fence, you are always teaching about the goodness and the dangers of the road. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm. You are always seeking to convince the heart because the proverbial golf clubs are always in the closet. Mm. Right. Right. Mm. And we have to teach in such a way the aim The aim is not to have our children function well within a fence. The aim is for them to, when they're tall enough to reach the latch and leave the fence, that they are still knowledgeable about the road and they understand. Totally. Oh, that is so good. Yeah. So those things happen in tandem. We set up the protections. We absolutely do that. But we also always have our eye on the end goal, and that is the heart. Mm -hmm. That is the heart. I love that that is the foundation of everything that you guys are teaching. Mm -hmm. And this is what your intention was, like you said, with your own family, right? And so you were able to put those pieces together, even organize the material. And then um, what happened from that point, Emily? Did you guys then share it with your family first, or were you realizing pretty soon that this is something, this is information and a structure that everyone needed. Well, we, we, we did this with our family and we had, I have to say my oldest son, who is the guinea pig, of course, (laughs) he resented this. He's like, mom, I am the only kid that has to do something like this to get a phone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He just (laughs) resented this. And then he began and we ended up having the most powerful experience with him over the course of the next few weeks Mm. Um, because rather than a lecture-based teaching we believe strongly in children paying the tuition for their own wisdom Mm. which means study it means it means internalizing things it means practicing habits it means perhaps the workshop um prompts them to go out into a public place and observe technology use and how it impacts interpersonal relationships. Mm. Um, So we sent our son to do 
excuse me, all of these things. And it was a magnificent experience. And that boy has been a model mm. of technology use. He, in some ways, I think he's more wise than I and yeah. my husband in the way that he goes about things um, because his heart is convinced and we will hear him, we will overhear him talking to friends about, about these issues. And it is in his heart. Mm. It is there because he put in some study and he has been grateful for it. And so we had this experience and it was just life-changing for oh, our family. So yeah. cool. What just a special blessing for your whole family. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. And so we started disseminating it to family because they would ask about it. And sure, yeah. we'll share it. It was just this little printed off PDF document. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we started sharing it with friends and it started to spread and people started calling us. Even it was spreading pe- by word of mouth through email. We had people all over the country. What is this? Can I have a copy? Sure. We're yeah. handing it out. And that's when we realized it was time for this to be available. Yeah. Online. Time for this to be a thing. Time for yeah. it to be a thing. And really, it functions as kind of a driver's ed for the smartphone. Oh, oh that's like a good that. way to put mm-hmm. that. Right? That's really smart. Because no parent in their right mind hands the car keys to right. a young person without some driver's ed. Right? And mm-hmm. the, and this is the same way that we need to operate with technology. Yeah. That they need that training. I love so. that. So, Emily, one thing that I know that you mentioned um, to me earlier is just how it how it is, how important it is that we need to have a seismic shift in the way that we parent technology. What does that look like to you? Because I know that one one piece of that, of course, is not being based in fear. But how do we can we break that down a little bit and and figure out what that looks like for us as parents or as people who love children and want to buoy them up and cheer them on and help guide them through life. How do we make that seismic shift? What's, what are some of the first steps? Absolutely. So it begins, I believe with a, a shift in the way that we see our young people. Um, our young people are powerful and I think that there is a capacity inside of them to choose well for their own interest and happiness Mm -hmm. that is sometimes untapped Sometimes we, sometimes it's easy to view the child as something we are crafting. Hmm. I am crafting this child. I am molding this child. The reality is, and a previous guest of yours alluded to this, is that growth is an internal process. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Roger Allen. Yes. Mm-hmm. He talked about how this this personal growth cannot be forced externally. However, as parents, we are responsible for the crafting of their environment. Hmm. That's a great mm-hmm. way to put that. Yep. And so we, we need to let go of responsibility for their choices. We need to recognize that they are independent entities. Yeah. Um, but we can do so much to craft this environment. And I think that's what we can talk about today is yeah. how, how do we give that plant, that child, its best shot for healthy growth and strong growth? What levels of light, what levels of fertilizer, mm-hmm. what kind of mm-hmm. soil will make things make it more likely that that child will choose well. And I think it begins with with recognizing their power. And when we do that, I think that they feel it. And there is a strength and a confidence that comes yeah. when a child thinks, my parents think I'm great. Mm-hmm. My parents think I'm wise. Yeah. They think strong. you're capable. I think that's a big mistake oftentimes we make as parents is sometimes 
in being overprotective, the message we're really sending our kids is that we don't think they're capable. And we don't have to say it, but they feel that, that we need all these things in place because they're not actually capable of making good decisions. Can I interject with one other thought related to that? You referenced Roger Allen because of that analogy with the plant. And um, I just want to refer back to another favorite guest of ours, Tamara Fackrell, who really helped to enlighten us to the fact that we can say words to our kids that we believe that you are powerful and you are capable and all those things. But even without words being spoken, the very thoughts that we have about them will absolutely biologically affect them. Mm -hmm. And so to everything that we're talking about, and we want you to continue on, but I wanted to just interject with that reminder that even if you're saying the words, but you don't believe it, it they will feel that yeah, they the will feel that. Of that. Yes, they will. And so you have to, I think, at least this is what I've worked on, is I've really wanted to make sure that I'm in check and really, truly believe what I'm saying or what I want to say. So when I say to my child, I trust you, because trust is a huge, huge, huge thing for me, based way back in my childhood and, and carrying through my family now. If I'm saying the words, I have to make sure I'm in check. Do I really trust them? Do I? Because if I don't, then I got it like it's actually kind of on me to kind of work through that so that they right. feel biologically they really are affected by my belief in them. Oh, right. I mm-hmm. love that. It's true. I love that so much because it's it's real. Mm-hmm. And that realness is, is certainly sensed mm-hmm. by our young people. I love that. So then that kind of to picking back up where you left off, um, the first step you're feeling like is that that innate power that they have and wanting to help them understand. Is that what you were saying? Like Absolutely. Helping to articulate that in a way that they believe it themselves? Absolutely. And I think I think you both hit it at the nail on the head when you talked about the sincerity of that belief also impacts the way that we treat them, mm. that we give them the space to grow. Yes. And the space to make mistakes. Which yeah. is hard. It's very hard. But it's hard. so important. And we believe that we may not be perfect at practicing it, but we do believe believe it. And I also believe in the pain and how hard it is and how painful (laughs) it can be. But I totally believe that. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable, isn't it? Sometimes the space that we know our children need is like the most uncomfortable thing that we can do because we keep thinking of the fence, the six foot tall fence. That's what we that's what we want to do. We just want to put the fence up and protect them and wrap them in saran wrap, yes. bubble wrap. And my husband, actually, we were talking this morning on the phone and, and he was remarking as we were talking about our kids, he said, you know, parenting kids in high school is like going through high school yourself, but this time you have no control. Mm. And I was like, oh that is gosh. totally what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so hard to not have control and to watch, watch them be, you know, go through things you have been through and Yes, it's very difficult. It really is difficult. And I think that is one of the crucial parts to crafting this environment Mm -hmm. that brings them such power is patience with the process of learning how to do this. So many of us as parents, when our young people make mistakes with technology, where does our mind go? Porn addiction. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's the mind goes to the worst possible scenario and... So this patience with the process, I think we're really, we understand when they are toddlers and they are learning to walk, we understand that there will be lots of falling down yes, and lots of mistakes. And mm-hmm. we cheer them on all along the yes. way. Yes. Good job. Good job. Get back up. You got it, buddy. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And that principle, that acceptance 
that mistakes are part of the learning process, we must apply to technology. Yeah. And so when why don't we, Emily, sorry to cut you off, but why don't we, I'm asking you sincerely, like, why is that so hard for us as adults to be more accepting of those kinds of mistakes? It's because the stakes are higher. Yeah. It's not falling on your rear on the carpet. Mm -hmm. The ramifications can be long and wide, but addictions and some of those, those, those things that parents have nightmares about, um, those things are, are something that we can face head on. And I think that those, those addictions are so far out that, that when we see any sign of any even toying with anything that could mm-hmm. lead to that, it just scares us to death. Well, Which is natural. It yes. is. Right? It's, it's totally natural, natural to be natural. afraid. But it's interesting, too, because it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy as, as we allow, you know, we'll just use this porn addiction um, that we were talking about, but... You know, when you have signs of, of things maybe making mistakes, it starts to become a self-fulfilling prophecy when, like, the porn addiction becomes a focus and it really, the focus goes off of your child to your worst fear. But then that that cycle of, like, the constant worry actually can drive behaviors not towards just, that. Not just worry, but fixation. Yeah, right. Yes. That's Isn't a great word. Yeah. to get fixated on the concern that we mm-hmm. have, the fear that we have? Yes, yes. which and is only damaging. I think that those those things that we most fear thrive in shame yes. and mm-hmm. silence. And so just as an example, um, you discover that your son is is accessing inappropriate material online. You discover maybe a, a search history. Mm-hmm. And so when we discover something like this, which which I have to say is, is probably going to happen to most people. Let's I, just I would say, say everyone right. just expect it. Yes. yes. Yep. Expect the mistakes. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think just by expecting it, we can keep much a much calmer persona. Right. Oh, I totally agree <laughs> with that from my own experience. I yes. expected from a very young motherhood stage of life that I, I was expecting that that everything that I would want to feel like could never happen to us. I'm like, well, just prepare that it could and it might. And And it it probably will. will. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. It just helps with your own like sense of calm. Like just know that that's normal and it's going to happen. And, and, you know, and so it, it has served me well with any little, even small sense of disappointment that might, you know, be coming into my mama heart, I, I feel way less disappointed because I'm like, well, okay, you know what? This is the kind of part of family life. There I we love go. that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so talk love us that. through this. Okay, so you discover that your son, and, and like you said, expect this. Expect this. These are powerful emotions and physical sensations that these young people are right in the middle of. They have access to things that none of us ever had any dream that they would have access to at such a young age. So you make this discovery, and the reaction is you face it head on. You sit down with that beautiful boy, and you say, you know what? I came across some things, some searches um, that, that I think could be harmful for you. Do you want to talk to me about it? You will probably get feelings of shame, tears, mm-hmm. possibly. But we move on from that. We, we tell this boy, son, this, these things that you're feeling, this attraction to these things is so normal and even healthy. This is part of, of emerging sexuality. This is part of becoming you know, a full person. This is a beautiful part of you. So no shame with this. Absolutely no shame. However, we do teach 
about the dangers of this kind of material, Mm -hmm. the falseness of it, the fakeness of it, and the addictive nature of it. We are very clear with that. So we're not just stroking. We are giving information. We are pointing them to articles. We are pointing them to materials that they can consume so that they, into their hearts, can understand this could impact me in a really negative way, mm. future relationships, um, the capacity to really engage fully in, in, in life. So we are very direct, but we are so full of confidence in that beautiful boy. Mm-hmm. And he feels or girl, it. And he feels that. Yeah. And then we talk about a plan. We talk about a plan. What do you want to do? How should we address this? How, how do we, how do you want to address this issue? And I guarantee that that beautiful child will will want a plan and they will be so relieved that mom doesn't think less of them mm. that, or dad doesn't think less of them, um, that their dignity is still intact. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so as you craft this plan, which probably should be, you know, regular check-ins, I know that um, when we have dealt with this in our family, when I see my kids with a phone or a computer and I'm going to walk out of the room to go do something, I'll put my hand on their shoulder and say, how are you feeling? Are you feeling strong? Mm-hmm. Are you feeling, are you feeling strong? We've been teaching them how to monitor when they are weak mm. with regard to mm. um, temptation yeah. for these things. Um, we talk about when do you feel vulnerable mm. to this material? Such an important dialogue yes when do you feel vulnerable and I talk about when I'm vulnerable Mm -hmm. to things that might not be so great and we talk about when those vulnerabilities are they're usually boredom Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they are sadness sadness anxiety depression and any of those things we want to escape homework we can be vulnerable totally you know Yeah. yeah totally yeah so we talk about that and it it that has been probably the most powerful avenue for us to to teach with them because they learn to self-monitor i am feeling vulnerable to this i'm going to go on a run mm-hmm. mm. we, we find a replacement something that is healthy a, a healthy way to deal with the things that are hard in life but- i love that we there's a book called um atomic habits and i the author i don't know it's escaping me but um he, that's one thing he talks about is we often focus on negative habits and like white knuckling and muscling through and just stopping these bad habits. And he was sharing that the most effective way to stop bad habits is to replace it. And so I love that you say, you know, offering, Hey, if you're feeling that way, what are some things we can do going on a run? I'm um, talking to a friend, just some, some replacement behavior. So it's not just always focusing on that negative behavior. It's such a better place to be looking towards the positive things you can add rather than the negative things you can take away. Well, and what a cool result from doing something like that in that, you not you not are just replacing the bad habit and replacing it with something good but how much better is your life how much more are you cultivating that good life by doing increasingly well with all these other great yeah, things for sure. I, I love that principle mm-hmm. so much isn't that the best and when that young person employs that kind of a principle they go on the run they talk to somebody they paint they pound on the piano whatever it is, what a, what a feeling of confidence that engenders. I can do this. I can manage this technology. Mm -hmm. And I, we have, we have gotten that to the point in our family where I've had a, I've had a son before say, can you put this laptop away? Mm -hmm. I'm vulnerable right now. I don't want it anywhere near me. That's huge for a kid to be able to say that. 
Yes. But, but sorry, I got to say this, Emily, but that, that comment could not have happened had you as a mother or you as a, as a pair of parents had dialogue with him already. Yeah. Yes. So he got to that place because you guys cultivated that environment so that he could know that he was totally safe and totally supported and saying, you know what, we do just take this away. That's not a normal thing for kids no, to say. No, it's not. And it, I think I think if we can, can, I love the word cultivate, if we can cultivate in our young people this self-awareness, mm-hmm. because sometimes we don't recognize I'm vulnerable right now. Right. I'm not a bad person. I'm just in a space right now that makes me vulnerable. So I am going to do something about oh, it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's so empowering for not just the kids, but for the parents. Um, you know, you, you mentioned also something that I thought was really interesting the current trend to demonize technology, um, and, and obviously that approach being very detrimental, why do you think that technology is so demonized? Where's that? What's that about? And why are we culturally that way? That is an interesting question. I think we often, we often compare technology to other addictive items, mm-hmm. be it drugs or um, tobacco consumption or those kind of things. But here's the difference. The difference is it's very easy to just say no, to, to, to take that approach with children when it comes to drugs mm-hmm. or other harmful things that they take into their body. But how do we handle something that has two tails to it? Right. How, mm-hmm. do, we, how do we handle this technology that is, is sort of neutral but is is handled by people who have evil intent and people who have good intent. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's not as easy as dealing with teaching our children about alcohol consumption or alcoholism or right. or smoking or those kind of things. It's very easy to just completely say don't do this. Right. But they've they've got to use something that has 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 these two sides to it. And that's the challenge and it that's is. why the demonization is the easy road. Mm-hmm. It is the easier. One mm. thing we've learned too is um, we have come up with a, a kind of a set of guidelines in our family as a family for our technology. But one thing that's always blatantly clear is I can have the very best standards in my home or the ones that work for our family, but every other person around you may not have those same standards. And so things, um, one of the things for our younger kids is we don't, um, let them have YouTube on their personal devices. Uh, just cause for us that works, our kids and us all came to kind of consensus, but a lot of their friends do. And so I can't just not teach them about YouTube. Like that doesn't work. I have to teach them how to monitor it because it really is all around them. There's, there truly is no escaping it. And so that's where we have maybe struggled is, is is this mentality of like this the total avoidance we're realizing even in high school like is just completely not possible mm-hmm. and it's and it's asking them it's throwing them into a world where they need these technology skills for learning and for growing and they don't have them because we've we've maybe been too restrictive out of fear i love that i think i think it's brilliant the way that you that you've pointed that out because um, that is the power of the concept of the internal filter. This is the only filter they carry with them. Mm-hmm. It's the only one. And so we craft these environments are, that at home that are as pure as we can hope. Um, <clears throat> 
we we create this environment at home, at home like you have done um, that is so you know it's, it's such a good space but when they walk out that door mm-hmm. away from the monitoring away from the filters they have got to have this capacity this internal filter in order to deal with the outside world i have to wonder if over monitoring in your home creates an underdevelopment I would of that say yes. internal filter right i absolutely how can it that. not result in that it's hmm. a consequence that's interesting of being and Overly. I'm so glad you're saying it because a lot of the people that speak out about this, this is not the message. No, Mm-mm. it's true. In fact, I think that movement, the movement of fear is powerful right now. It is the loudest And it's effective voice. to a certain degree. I mean, my kids have sat through um, technology seminars and things that were very fear-based and I'll tell you they came home scared and were like take my phone I don't ever want to look at this thing again Except, but it wasn't a long-term no. situation yeah and that's the thing is you know I've had experiences in my life similarly where I I was scared or some you know someone convinced me kind of from a place of fear and it and it shook me to the point where I literally felt like like your kids did that day Becky take mm-hmm. it away completely or I, I want to have nothing to do with this ever that's not real life, nor is it mm-hmm. the way that we should want to exist. We should want right. to exist by using these God-given tools and and um, things in our life that do make life better. And I think that one of the things that I also love about what the work is that you and Dave are doing is that you have seen, and I believe, I'm going to say this, you're not the one saying it, so I can brag about you. <laughs> I believe that through the work that you are doing, you are increasing the number of people who have a completely new approach to technology. And and so I, that kind of leads me into what I want to ask you about sharing is that you're seeing a new breed of teen that is emerging. And I, I would love to hear you speak to that because it is so empowering it and is. so positive. You know, I, I'm going to speak from my inner nerd here. I have a complete fascination with teenagers who are doing well yeah. with technology, almost to the point of trying to microanalyze. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Just I such a it. fascination. And, and, and they are out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They are out there. We, we have this stereotypical image of the glazed over teenager and, and the you know mesmerized by a screen. We see those images everywhere. But the reality is, is that there is an emerging breed of teenager that is rejecting this takeover of their lives by technology. They are self-aware enough and observant enough to see what's happening and probably also taught really well Mm -hmm. um, to see that this is not what I want. This is not what I want. Um, these teenagers, one of the most fascinating things, so my, my, my boys, my teenage boys, they almost roll their eyes when their friends are over because they've got some friends like this. Uh Uh-huh. Mine do too. I know exactly (laughs) what you're saying. And and they go, oh, mom, don't do it again. I'll be like, so tell me about your technology use. Why do you (laughs) choose this? Why? Why? Why do they do it? Why do Mm. they choose? Because if we can discover why these young people are choosing this route, we can help more young people embrace this. And you know what the common thread is with these young people is that they have embraced vision for their own life. Mm-hmm. That is huge. They have embraced um, dreams for their future life. They are as varied as as the day is long. Um, you have young people. If if you ask them why why do you why do you have 
this these this set of rules that you've made for yourself. Your parents are not imposing this. Right. Why do you do this? They will invariably say things like, you know, I kind of have this dream for how I want my future family to be, mm-hmm. or I've got these career dreams and I just don't have time for that kind of thing. Or they've got dreams about how they want to explore this big, beautiful world. That invariably, these young people have an understanding of who they are, their gifts and their abilities. They know they have something to give to the world. And they, frankly, don't want to waste time on things that will drag them down. Man, and they're this, so wise. Yeah. This vision, I think, is the most powerful driving force. Hmm. That it goes back again and again and again to the principle of beginning with the end in mind and again and again. Like literally that is it. When you, when you have that vision and you know where you want to go and that child can see clearly what their life could be like or what they want it to be like or what they want their family life or their future marriage to look like, of course that's going to steer the decisions that they make. I was thinking this morning about, um, just what you were talking about and how our goal setting, we're doing a lot of goal setting with our kids. And as we're having these goal setting conversations, sometimes they turn to like self-deprecation. Like these are the things I want to change about myself. And so my goal is to change this thing about myself. What I like about vision is vision. When you have a, a dream of vision, it innately changes your goals. But again, it doesn't become like, well, I want to stop doing this. It becomes, what do I need to do to achieve my highest vision? Yep. And that to me is yeah. such a healthier way because I think these teens too, I I don't know about you guys, but my teens are very um, self-reflective and they're really hard on themselves, you know? And and so this goal setting has kind of been tricky. I don't as we, know where they get that from. Right? I know. Because <laughs> we really were going through this with some of even our younger kids this week um, doing doing goals in different areas of their lives. And that was one thing that really stood out to me is is how sometimes we're teaching goals in a way that is almost discouraging. It's almost like I'm not enough right now and what do I need to become enough? And I just I love that that mindset of vision and not something for sure I'm going to be making sure when I get home that my kids are very clear on is like, let's talk about your life. What do you want for your life? And then let's take it backwards and work backwards to goals today that will get you to that place. I totally agree. That's a very inspired way to look at it. Not mm. just inspiring. It's an inspired yeah. way to approach it. I love that so much. I think it is. And I'll just uh, share. So because we believe so strongly in this this cultivating of this life vision, the crowning experience for this workshop is what we call the story of my life. Mm. That's the name of the vo- the oh module is story. You, of- Becky, you just are- broke out in cold sweats. I want you to know that. <laughs> she is so happy with this. Such a strong yeah. love language. Carry on. I carry love on. it. <laughs> so what basically what this module prompts the young person to do is they make a sound recording of them expressing their life dreams. And the module prompts them to address questions. What do you want high school years to be like? What do you want relationships? What do you what do you want to, a relationship with your future spouse to be like or family? What are your dreams with regards to career mm. or places you want to see or things that you want to do? And they they kind of work through this in a written format and then they sound record mm. and send to themselves and a parent if they choose. Um, they send this recording to themselves as a keepsake from this incredible experience 
And I tell you, um, when we, so we have two boys who have phones Mm -hmm. now. And when we listened to these story of my life recordings of them, we were, we were weeping. Mm -hmm. And it was so humbling to recognize that teenager that seemed so Mr. Cool and so, you know, nonchalant, there is a depth and there is a power to that boy and there are things he wants. And if he can recognize and really verbalize that those dreams and then connect that his decisions with technology today um, will either hurt or harm, mm-hmm. hurt or help yeah. those dreams he is going to be different in the decisions that he makes. Because he's taken ownership of what he wants. Getting a kid to figure out what they want, I don't think most, I know when I was that age, I was thinking to the end of that day or that week, maybe to the end of the school year. But to get them to have that long-term perspective of what we do today can take us closer to our goals. Like the bad behavior or the mistakes or the habits I imagine tend to fall away as you get them focused on that upward trajectory. You know, the phrase that comes to mind, which won't shock anybody who's listened to the podcast, who has heard us say this a lot, and they know it's a message I live and breathe. Becky and I both believe in this mantra is live the story you want to tell. Mm -hmm. I know you believe that Emily. It's basically what you're saying, but I'm putting it in a succinct like statement, live the story you want to tell. Think about, and this is not just about kids, you guys. This is about us right now today and our use of technology and every other aspect of our life. But we're talking about technology. One day you're going to be able to tell a story and it can be many stories or one grand story, whatever that looks like. And whether you verbalize it or write it down or not, it's a story that is yours. So what is the story? What does that look like? And how is that narrative? And, and identify what that is for you, because when you do, then you have you almost have no choice but to live up to that because it's the story that you want to tell. How does that not have a positive impact? What an amazing, I love you so much, Emily. <laughs> like, okay, can I just confess? Let's do it, right? Okay. We call this hotel confessionals for we a reason. We actually do call our hotel recording <laughs> hotel confessionals. It's we true. happen to be in a hotel right now with Emily and we're having this confessional. So I've known about um, tech uni- or, uh, Family Tech University for since I think you launched it because we um because because I already knew of your sister Sarah whom I love and kind of knew about it from her and have always thought this is such a good idea this is such a good idea I can't do that right now like I just I can't because it's one more Mm -hmm. thing and I want to support that you know whole thing but I just it's just not the right time it's not the right time and I've made excuses so that's my confession I'm telling you right now and I'm just like putting it out there I'm holding myself accountable in my mind, as I hear you articulate these things, and especially having insights to what is in that that course or that program, there's no I can't afford to not do this with my family. Mm-hmm. I can't. Truly. Truly. Because I think Becky and I have spoken about social media. We have a passion for helping people to understand the blessings that can come from using it in good ways. Like this is something that we live and breathe. But you are bringing something entirely different to the table and to this ongoing discussion about technology that is based in love and not fear that needs to be heard. So I hope that as you guys are listening, that you will join me and do this. Register yes. and do this course. Becky, you in? I'm already registered and going through it. So. You're act- like you're actively going through it? 
yeah you've we, been through these modules <laughs> emily so, and i basically talk all the time you know what? <laughs> no, i reached out to <laughs> emily I, re- I, I really did i reached out to emily when i was having a time of like i don't know what to do but i know i need to do something i didn't know and this. got enrolled in the course and dare i, I say you. um yes our kids need this but guess what actually i really needed it as a parent totally and it helped me become more clear about my goals and my about the things I'm doing and what I how I'm treating technology. But back so, to that's what I was going to say. Not just you as a parent. Yeah, it's you the person. Yes, you as a human being. Yeah, I had no idea that you were already going through it, and I am one step behind per usual. <laughs> one step behind Becky Profit in life. <laughs> no, I'm so excited. Like I'm genuinely like you guys. When we have conversations about technology, this is how we're supposed to feel. We're supposed to be excited. We're supposed to feel empowered. We're supposed to feel like we've got this. Yes. We can do this. We can. Our young people, they were never meant to be usurped by these things. Mm-hmm. They were never meant to be. And I don't, how do you feel fear impacts your parenting? It's yucky. It's not good. I don't like it. I don't like it. Mm-mm. No, it, it is really, we're uninspired. We're mm-hmm. knee jerk reactors. Yes. We diminish ourselves. Yes, mm-hmm. we do. Mm-hmm. And we, we subconsciously communicate to our young people, I'm so afraid of this, and I know you can't handle this. Because you know what I think the message is we're not saying? I'm so afraid, and I don't think you can handle this. And guess what? I don't think I can handle this either. Amen. It's like this discouragement all around. It's cyclical in the worst kind of way. It is. I mean, we have to, we really have to laugh. Really, what we have is a generation of parents who's the the wild and woolly technologies that you and I were raised with were Mario and Mario on Nintendo. The and, Oregon Trail. Yes. <laughs> Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Teddy Ruxpin. Right? right? Atari. Atari. Mm. It's so true. So those technologies, really, we are on the vanguard for pushing forward how to parent this. We've never watched somebody parent a smartphone. True. Yeah. We so let's give ourselves some credit parents yeah let's really do that and and i think there are ways that we can be very deliberate we can be very organized we make a list what are the things that are most important for my young person to know for me what what do i most want them to understand these lists are going to be social media mm-hmm. pornography um etiquette etiquette oh yeah with smartphones how do we behave with phones mm-hmm. in public places um i also have to put in a plug um with with regards to to crafting this environment to help young people develop this internal filter. We cannot, we, we cannot end a conversation without talking about teaching stillness. Please go there. Becky's going to start <sighs> crying. She loves this so much. Yeah, and you just speak me. <laughs> right? You speak it is my love language all day long. So will you touch on stillness with us right yes. now before we end? I will. So stillness um, in the world that we live in is not a natural commodity. Mm. It is not a natural commodity. And what that means from a parenting perspective is that it must be demonstrated and it must be taught. That sounds really funny, but we must teach a craving for stillness. Mm. We really must teach this. The, The result of a young person who has come to appreciate stillness is basically what, what will they hear in the stillness? Right. What voice inside will whisper to them of who they really are, mm-hmm. of the goodness that is inside of them, um, and the things also that they would like to improve on. Those whisperings cannot happen in the noise and the clamor of the day. 
And so the way that we do this, we can encourage this by insisting upon tech shutoff. We can do that, but also by them catching us, seeking it ourselves. Right. They see us going to be in nature. They see us hiking. Mm-hmm. Emily, s- Emily knows. Yes. This <laughs> Look is at us. Yeah. They see this. That is, that may be the most powerful, the most powerful um, gift that we can give to them. We give them means to experience stillness, mm-hmm. whether they are journalers or record keepers, or they are, we give them means and space. We provide spaces where technology is not an overbearing presence. There are mm. places of quiet, places of restfulness. When we drive, the radio is off and we're pointing out the sunset. Yes. That's we're- something we have actually done um, in our family is we do a lot. We really enjoy road trips. And during those road trips, we will give our kids, you know, 45 minutes of tech time. And then they hand all the phones up to the front of the car because we realized somewhere in one of these road trips, our kids were very uncomfortable being bored. And they were just trying to fill it, like getting, you know, wanting sensory input when they were bored. And so we started doing these drives um, where literally we're talking or we play like dumb games. And sometimes as a family, we'll listen to a CD of an uplifting speaker. But this boredom time in the car, I would say if you don't know where to create stillness, the car is a very easy way um, to start to introduce this as a family and and then go from there because it's someplace I didn't realize how much technology was prevalent until we started taking that option away for all of us not just the kids it's Taylor and myself as well all the phones go into place in our car and we've had some of the greatest conversations Oh, ever. Becky. and I think that you bringing that up as like a place to start is a good idea because sometimes you know as you listen to some of these podcast episodes and you feel inspired breaking it down and knowing kind of like what that actually looks like is can be tricky and I just wanted to bring up one more point of illustration Emily you know about Becky and I that we hiking such a part of how we exist I've gotten better about um, not just making hiking such a personal thing for me and I totally can respect that my kids don't all have the same love for hiking so I don't drag them on pretty much ever any of my hikes unless they're with friends and whatever but one thing that I've gotten better about is talking about it. So Porter, who's 17, is great about saying, how was your hike, mom? And instead of saying, it's great, I say, I'll tell you what, that was the most clarifying point of my day. I felt so, so much closer to the intentions I have right now. I felt so much peace. I'll actually elaborate for just a second, but I'll elaborate so that yeah. he understands that hiking isn't just like mom feels good and good for her and she's exercising. Yeah, like That is my stillness. Great. That is yeah. one point of stillness. And, and I've also make, made a point to... You know, I don't always read my scriptures in front of my family, but I'll make a point to do it at least once a week, you know, and make sure that they see that that's also where I find stillness and peace. I think that you are so right, Emily. We have to open up the dialogue. We have to show it, demonstrate it, and also talk about it. Beautiful. I think you two women, you just are magnificent at this. I really do. Truly. Far from it is how I'm feeling, but more inspired to be. Yes. Yes. Yes, All day long because of you. We just have really great guests. Well, the courage, the courage to unplug in the car. That is an act of courage. It is. It really is. And it's uncomfortable. And Becky, you know, I think one of the most important things you said about that was it wasn't just the kids passing up their phones. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if Taylor's driving, he's not on his phone, but you also, you are demonstrating through your own example and your own courage, as you're saying, Emily, 
everyone can take a break from your phones and everyone should. Mm -hmm. And also the phones are awesome and there's a time for that as well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. We move in with me, Emily. I just need you and Dave to come and move into our house and take us all through this once a month. And the good thing is they don't have to because that's why they put it online. Right. Because then it's accessible to everyone all across the planet. Well, and I hope, I hope in this conversation that I don't, put across the impression that we believe in wholesale granting of all technology privileges to your eight-year-old and just express right. confidence in them and you they're going to do great. This, right? No. Mm. In fact, we definitely advocate for a very moderated, intentional, graduated approach to the granting of technology privileges. Mm-hmm. And what that, in our family, what that looks like is that we start with a text only call only phone and we have that for a good period of time i want to point out many parents don't know this we actually have the same rule in our house and smartphones um if you want to go this route they can still have a smartphone you can completely disable safari you can completely disable a lot of these things which my 13 year old with a phone literally his phone he has Um, the gospel library and he has limited time on music and then texting and calling and that's it and we kind of go over and talk and add time or but these are all things you can do within the capability of your smartphone you can disable things entirely yes and many parents don't know that i agree i believe that the technology can the technology community is finally hearing the cry of parents and there are options yes thank goodness there are options and you as a parent be confident be confident in your sense of your child. You are going to know this 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 little darling is not ready for the web, is not ready for social media. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a graduated approach. And as that young person demonstrates capaci- capacity, demonstrates self-control yes. with just those limited capabilities, that's when we can start to ease out and really teach under the roof of our own home yeah. mm-hmm. how to manage these. And so I I would urge parents to be fearless we don't grant privileges because everybody else's house right has social media you know i'm, I'm not handing you the world wide web just because all of your friends have it right I, i'm going to get a sense of where you are because i am crazy about you i am crazy about you mm. and uh we're going to move into this really gradually and by the time you leave my house you are going to have everything you need and they're going to be able to bless the lives of other people totally. around them yes and it goes on and on Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for sharing and imparting this knowledge and wisdom. And like, I'm trying not to tear up because I'm so, like, I love you so, so much. Like we need this message and it needs to be shared in love. And that's exactly what you have done is you've shared it completely in love. And I feel so excited and happy. That's so different than the fear-based messages Mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. I just love it. I love it. And I'm so excited about it. Please remind people where to find this online information and also where to connect with you on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us at www.familytechuniversity.com. So that's where you can find us, all the information. Uh, We are also on Instagram at Family Tech University. So you can find us there. Facebook, we are there as well. Come and talk to us. We, We joy, absolutely joy in sharing a message of hope for parents. There is hope. You know, our young people, they are not going to fall to this. They are not going to, we are going to confidently parent and we are going to give room for them to make mistakes and we're not going to panic. 
We are not going to panic. We're going to work with them. We're going to keep that dialogue open. We are going to emphasize the power that is in them. So I just am so grateful to be with both of you. You are my great heroes, my great heroes, and this has been a great privilege. You are such a dear friend to us, Emily. Thank you so, so much. And friends, thank you for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you and for your family. We invite you to write down those promptings you feel, and most importantly, act on them. We love you. We're cheering you on, and we look forward to being with you next week. Bye, guys. It says recording. I mean, it's recording, right? I'm going to go to back. Oh, yeah, that looks normal. Oh, that doesn't look normal. Yeah, it does. That's like, that's normal. No? Mm -hmm. Go and touch it. Touching, testing. Touching and testing. (laughs) I think it's fine. I think. I think we're fine. Okay. It's, I mean, it has to be recording because it's recording. So even if the screen looks a little different, it's fine. Different is fine. Different is not Sometimes. only fine, it is good and it is celebrated. Sometimes. Let's celebrate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>